All right. Um, good afternoon to everyone that's here today. Um, welcome to the Joint City and School District Select Committee for Thursday, September 26th. Also, the pre-party for the Meta Annual Gala. <laughs> Um, Commissioner Hydra Mendoza today has um, called for this hearing, so I'll go ahead and turn it to um, turn it over to her. But to give some background, I just want to thank the dedicated um, team of city staff and community advocates who have worked really hard over the last few months, um, I'm sorry, not over the last few months, um, over the last uh, year to ensure that we were one of four cities in California that was awarded this incredible grant, which we will be hearing about over the next hour and a half. I'm actually planning on touring the Harlem Children's Zone, which I was not able to do when I served on the school board, but I'm excited to do this year, which this model is based off of when I return to New York, and look forward to seeing how these federal dollars are being put to use um, by the collaborations that we will be hearing about today. Um, I, I think it's really important that uh, when we think about the city uh, district select committee, um, that we really think about how we can strengthen the relationship between the city resources and our schools. Um, these are all our families, um, whether they are constituents that are coming to City Hall um, for housing issues or services, or whether the children and the parents are going to the school district for their education services. We need to figure out how we can work better together to best serve um, our residents um, that may be part of the opportunity gap. And so we're really excited to hear the presentation today. And we also want to create more awareness around this program, um, what the goals of that are, and, and, and see how we can best um, have a successful partnership over this five-year program, because this is something that we want to sustain beyond the five years. And we've got to start having that discussion now in order to make sure that um, we, we are able to commit to that longevity. So um, I just want to recognize that we have um, Supervisor John Avalos, Supervisor David Campos. Um, our committee member, Supervisor Mark Farrell, could not make it here today. Um, and just want to recognize Commissioner Wins, who is here. Commissioner Norton is on her way and will be here, here shortly. Commissioner Mendoza. I'm sorry, before we do that, um, I want to see if we could take a motion to excuse Supervisor Farrell. So move, and we'll do that without opposition. Great, thank you so much, Supervisor Kim. I want to thank you for allowing us to take this opportunity to show you what, um, what good partnership looks like. And, um, and I want to particularly thank Supervisor Campos for being here because we, um, in the very early days, wondered whether or not this was going to work. And, um, and, and the team that you'll hear from, from the Mission Economic Development Agency, who's our lead agency with the Mission Promise Neighborhood, um, came into this without a relationship with the school district. And so certainly, as we all know with dating, that it takes a little while before you're actually willing to go on a second or a third date. So I'm really glad that this has worked out, and this also this, this really demonstrates what it means to think about a particular community in our city and what we can do for not only our kids but our families and the impact that it has between the economic status, uh, the stability of our families, and how that correlates with the educational um, outcomes for our kids. And we've worked as separate entities for a very long time, and I think as educators, um, our main goal has always been to make sure that our kids do well and learn and um, are in communities that are safe and thriving. Um, and the family component of it, when we've looked to the city, has, has primarily been around the social services issues and, and what we can provide to the families. But when we combine those efforts and really think about 
um, how we get everybody on board to target a very dense population of families where low income, um, low test scores, low, um, and I apologize for saying low because it's, it's, it, it, it makes it sound really negative, but it's been really, it's, it's been a huge challenge for our community and the mission. Um, but, you know, we have so many families who don't own homes in, in the communities and are getting pushed out. And um, it really makes us stop and reflect on what it is that we can do collectively. And so um, the Mission Promise neighborhood, I think, is a great reflection of many of our city departments who already invest in, in the community to come together and say, what are we doing um, and how can we leverage this amazing grant of um, $30 million over the next five years to show a great difference in the mission. Um, and on the school district side, we were, we were really grateful for a $45 million grant from the school improvement grant that we received from the feds that got us started, and this will help us to continue the trajectory of the, of the many schools in the mission that have already um, benefited from, from some dollars. Um, so with that, I'd like to um, introduce Victor Corral, who is our um, director of the Mission Promise neighborhood and has been with us from the very beginning and has uh, shepherded this process. Um, and, but before you start, the one other thing I want to be able to say is that um, when you bring more than two people together, you're always going to have the challenge of agreement and, um, and to, to be able to think about um, how do we best serve the community. And I just want to commend Meta for, for sticking it out and not letting go and really trying to find a way. Um, you know, and we still have some, some challenges and some steps to go over, but um, in the room sits a, a lot of very caring, committed, and passionate people. Um, and Secretary Donovan from HUD was just here, and he wanted to go see another program and decided last minute that he really wanted to come and see the Mission Promise Neighborhood um, grant that we have and how it's going to get implemented. And so we had a great opportunity to, to show off a little bit um, while he was in town this week. So, Mr. Corral, why don't you walk us through what you've got. You Thank, you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Good afternoon. I appreciate the, let's see here, let me get comfortable really appreciate the kind words, um, calling out the collaboration. I do think this is um, the beginning of a beautiful partnership between um, all of us, all our uh, community partners, uh, the city agencies, the school district, um, to really create uh, lasting change in the mission. So with that, I'll go ahead and get started. Um, I guess the first thing, as with most of these uh, collaborations or big initiatives, we want to start with what, what the vision for the program is. And specifically for the mission, we came together um, about a year and a half ago now um, to discuss what do, we, what do we want to see for our community. We called together a whole bunch of uh, community-based organizations, city leadership. Um, you know, we had maybe 100 people or so in the room. And we discussed what do we want to see. And this is, this is um, some of the, represents some of the best thinking that we had. And really, we want to make sure that every child, simply put, every child excels and every family succeeds. Uh, that students enter school ready for success and graduate from high school prepared for college and careers. Um, specifically, we want the Mission District to thrive as a healthy and safe community that provides families and their children the opportunity to prosper economically and to call San Francisco their permanent home. 
um, as all of you are very familiar with. Um, there are a lot of challenges, primarily economic challenges in the mission. Uh, it's one of the most expensive rental markets in the nation, likewise for uh, home prices. We know that about 37% of Latino adults in San Francisco work in low-wage service industry. Uh, we know that over 50% are asset poor, meaning they don't have enough money in their bank accounts to cover three months of living expenses. And nationally, this is not unique to the mission or to California, but nationally, uh, the net worth of white families is 18 times that of Latino families and a similar number for uh, African-American families. And I won't even go into the Native American families. Um, this is some of the data that we looked at last year uh, in the mission, looking at poverty in the mission. And we have, you know, the majority of children in the mission at every age group are actually Latino. Um, and about 68% of those children are living below poverty. Um, so you'll see a few more numbers, just uh, straight up raw numbers. Actually, um, I'm sorry, yes? before you go on, for those of, of us that are not familiar, what are the boundary lines when you talk about the mission neighborhood? Yeah, when you let talk me, about the data? Um, so let me fast forward. So we did it by census tracts, um, and I don't remember all the numbers for census tracts, but this is, uh, I'm going to skip a, just a couple slides to, um, this is essentially what it looks like. Um, and those are the boundaries, so it's about 1.86 square miles or so. Um, and we'll get more specific as we move forward. But where was I? So as uh, Commissioner uh, Mendoza mentioned, uh, a lot of the mission schools have been struggling for the last few years. Uh, but fortunately, through the SIG, uh, prior to that, we had um, about seven of the lowest performing schools and, and, and SFUSD were in the mission. Um, but now, fortunately, that has been changing with the SIG. But still, as, as of looking at some of the data from last year, um, the majority of MPN students are in low performing schools, are of color, and are in poverty. Most children are not entering school ready to learn, and most students are not, or a lot of MPN students are not graduating. Uh, and if they are graduating, they're not graduating ready for college. So I think this is, I think a lot of the work that SIG has done and a lot of the work that the city agencies have done, I think has been a perfect convergence of um, a lot of great initiatives. Um, so I think the time is right right now to leverage the work that has been happening, the opportunity with Mission Promise Neighborhood, and then up to us to figure out how far can we take this so in the zero to five space, we've had a lot of great work done by First Five for the last several years. Uh, we have a Race to the Top grant. We are fortunate to have Preschool for All, which has increased uh, enrollment primarily for um, students of color, uh, but they're around four to five years old. So there's still a big gap around the zero to three population. Um, at the school site, we have school improvement grants. We have the Excel after school programs and a lot of other stuff that DCYF is funding. We're implementing the full-service community school model, uh, which is transforming schools into community hubs. And here at the Office of the Treasurer, we have uh, the opportunity to have kindergarten to college that uh, allows us to have bank, um, savings accounts for um, every entering SFUSC student. Likewise, a lot of the work that Bridge to Success has done uh, to bridge the SFUSD City College um, uh, gap uh, and also a lot of community supports, and we'll call ourselves out here with our SparkPoint Center through our United Way of the Bay Area Partnership and the Broadband Technology Opportunity Program. 
As you can see, we're, um, we're leveraging a lot of resources here uh, in the mission. There's a lot of investment. Um, and so this is our opportunity to leverage and collaborate uh, even more effectively. So we have funds from DCYF that are matching from um, health, uh, the Human Services Agency, from the Mayor's Office of Housing, OEWD, First Five, uh, you name it, all the great resources. But what a lot of the value add in coming together under the Mission Promise Neighborhood umbrella is the opportunity to work together differently, work together more effectively, and have that be a really, a truly data-driven collaborative approach. Um, internally at Meta, we've been um, uh, very strategic in trying to integrate our own federal funds for to support all of our programs, from home ownership to business development, to free tax preparation. To so we're we're getting a little bit of money from HUD, CDFI, uh, SBA, uh, Department of Labor, um, and so we're really about um, bringing those kind of funds together and then taking them to the next level within our own internal programs at Meta. Here, I'll, and I'll, I, I, won't through, I won't run through all of our um, amazing partners doing great work, but we have about 26 CBO partners. Uh, almost, I think every city agency has signed on, uh, SFUSD, uh, City College, UCSF, the John Gardner Center at Stanford University is here. So um, we really have an amazing set of partners doing great work. Um, that we look forward to collaborating with going forward. These are the results that we're trying to achieve. Um, and so there's a set of 15 indicators from the Department of Education that we have um, provided a baseline for and that we will be, we've set targets for over the course of the five years. And that's how we, part of our reporting to the department will be our progress on moving the needle towards our goals on, on those specific indicators with the ultimate goal of ensuring that kids are ready for school, they graduate from high school, they enter into college, um, and their families have everything that they need to succeed. Um, I'll do a brief update on kind of where we're at in implementation. You know, we started uh, back in January. Uh, our organization was about 30 people. Uh, we're now upwards of 60, um, all to support um, the work that Meta's doing, the work that Mission Promise Neighborhood is doing. So we spent a lot of time hiring, interviewing, um, and found a great team that has now been together um, almost two months now. Um, so working really hard together. We've entered into contract with our partners. Uh, we had a fantastic backpack giveaway um, at John O'Connell High School a few months ago with the mayor's office. We had our, our launch where a lot of city leadership came out. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, came, I'm sorry, Leader Pelosi came out to see us and give some remarks. And then most recently, as Hydra mentioned, we had uh, Secretary Donovan come out. Um, and we've also had a, uh, some leadership from DOE uh, come and visit us. Um, our data team has been working hard on data discovery, um, assessing the performance of or assessing performance measures for all our organizational partners um, and just understanding how they collect data. We've also been uh, focused on building our collaborative um, and then also specifically laying the groundwork for sustainability. We do uh, want to see this go beyond five years. Uh, we think it's critical. And so we've engaged with CETF, uh, with Kresge, with Chase, a whole bunch of organizations that are, uh, we're building that, that foundation for sustainability. So what I really want to focus on today and kind of how I wanted to frame this conversation is to ensure that we talk about, you know, not just kind of what we're doing, uh, like the strategies that we're implementing, 
Um, but really, what our approach, what the framework is for the work, how we're approaching um, this work of community change with all of our partners, and how we're trying to innovate and push the envelope forward when it comes to uh, building a really strong uh, infrastructure for service delivery that is data-driven. Um, so I hope that all of my uh, colleagues will really kind of talk about it in that way because I think that is, that is what is, um, I think, um, really unique to the Promise Neighborhood framework that, that they want us to use the majority of funds to build the infrastructure for service delivery and not just focus on the strategies because that is how we'll create system change and that is how we will ensure sustainability. And so, and that is also where uh, the potential partnerships between city agencies with the, with, the, uh, with the district and with all of our community partners can really be leveraged. So really quickly on the framework, um, all of our services will be culturally and linguistically relevant. Yes, ma'am? No, you should finish your slide. Okay. Um, we really wanna make sure everything is need-based so um, we don't want a duplication of services. We want to make sure that um, we are meeting people where they're at and, what, and giving them what they need. Um, everything will be evidence-based, um, and we're really taking a service integration approach uh, to our collaborative to ensure academic achievement and family economic success. All right, um, yep. Supervisor Compos wanted to make a few comments. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Kim, and uh, thank you to all the commissioners for being here. Um, I just wanted to make a, a brief comment. Uh, I, I have to leave. I have a public safety uh, community meeting that I can't be late for. Um, but I, I simply wanted to say that I'm uh, very proud that this effort and this initiative is happening in San Francisco and that it's happening in the mission. Uh, again, kudos to Meda uh, for their leadership in identifying this uh, possible uh, grant. Uh, Thank you to the mayor's office, to Commissioner Mendoza, to uh, then Supervisor, uh, Superintendent Carlos Garcia, and to all the members of the Board of Education for you know uh, agreeing to to be a partner with Meda and to all the city agencies. Uh, it really is a team effort, and and I think it's great to see that we are the center of educational innovation and that the rest of the country is really watching uh, and looking to San Francisco to see how we're, how we're doing and, and how we're going to do this. And uh, I'm just excited that for the next uh, five years, you'll see not only the $30 million in, in federal funding, but everything else that will be leveraged. Uh, and my hope is that it's something that we can take uh, on the road to the rest of the city and I assume at some point to the rest of the state and the rest of the country. So it's very exciting and uh, I'm really honored to uh, have been a part of it from the beginning and uh, look forward to continuing to work with this amazing team. And the last thing that I would say is that you see a lot of the folks that Meda and have, has hired through the uh, Mission Promise Neighborhood Initiative and, you know, really top caliber individuals have been hired and so it's very exciting to see. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Compos, for being here. Um, we recognize that this is in your district um, and it's great to see that the partnership exists. And we also know that um, this is only going to be successful if everyone views this as, as our initiative. Um, and not just the school district or not just METAs. This is all of our initiative, and we have to work together to make it successful. Thank you. Exactly. And, Supervisor, if you want to partner with us on a tour bus, yes. 
and take it on their own. We're happy to do so. <laughs> Um, so this is our um, uh, now, I guess, infamous Wheel of Promise, um, and this really kind of this graphic really encompasses all of our um, all of the whole the, kind of the whole project that encompasses the the integrated systems, all the universal services that we'll be providing, the different initiatives that are going to be that are, are being implemented, and then the results that we're trying to achieve. So that outer ring is really the the kind of the, the systems, um, the systems piece, which includes the leveraging of resources, the policy and systems change, the data and evaluation, our ability to collaborate on coordination, on family engagement, on a common communication strategy, um, building the capacity of organizations in the in the uh, community, and then the governance and, and holding ourselves accountable. Um, so what I want to point out here is that um, all of this really goes down to that center which is the connection between academic achievement and family economic success. Um, most promised neighborhoods and, and essentially the whole, um, the initiative, the federal initiative is really focused on the academic success of children. And we think obviously that is incredibly important, but if children are in poverty, um, their ability to succeed in school will be uh, limited. They don't have access to the same resources their housing is not stable, very likely. They may be suffering from, you know, mental health trauma, all sorts of things that come with the conditions of living in poverty. And so our approach, our organizational strength, and our approach to this work is really this two-generation approach where we will um, not only work on specific strategies that improve academic achievement, but also provide family economic success supports that will also support academic achievement. So this, this I think, is, is kind of a critical point that we want to make, and I think that makes us stand out from uh, potentially other promised neighborhoods um, and really kind of at the heart of our initiative. And this wheel, we've uh, used it and also um, created earlier this year a workforce wheel. So we, we're really looking at this systems approach uh, so we took it and adapted it to the, and I blame Luis for this. <laughs> so we, but, but really, you know, there, there, there's, um, when we look at, when we were looking at workforce and the mission as we were talking with OEWD, who's also here, thank you. Um, you know, there wasn't, there's no, there wasn't, or we're building now a system for workforce development that encompasses, you know, the data, the outreach and communications, all the, everything from, uh, integrated services to the intake and assessments to the supportive services to workforce readiness services and ultimately job placement. So it's a really comprehensive um, approach to building systems within each um, element of what we're calling our pipeline, whether that's education, whether that's uh, early learning or the community housing. So we're now looking into um, uh, doing the same for the other elements. And one of the key things is also building a family uh, economic success continuum that incorporates income supports, so the work that Meta does around tax preparation, public benefit screening. Uh, there's also financial capability coaching that allows that, um, where we coach clients to, to reach their financial goals. We have employment, we have business development, um, and we also work on housing. Uh, so this, we're looking at kind of the, the spectrum of family economic success that can really wrap around a whole family. 
this is a little bit about how we measure it around income, debt, credit savings, job placements, tax returns. And so what's really, um, so the, the kind of next step that we're taking this to is really looking at um, all the different elements. So health, what would it look like if we combined, uh, if we developed this comprehensive system around health and tied it to family economic success? Um, so just look at the centerpiece. We're not, um, we didn't edit any of the other stuff. But just to call out how these two components go hand in hand, as does a comprehensive legal service system goes hand in hand with family economic success. And, and also something that we're just starting to work on now with some of our partners is this affordable housing system in the mission, tying it again to family economic success. So we're really taking this wheel um, everywhere we go. The other key thing around service delivery that is um, that we've been working on for several years through SparkPoint, um, and now we can really take this to the next level um, through Mission Promise Neighborhood is integrating and coordinating our services. So what does that mean? We're talking about ensuring that all referrals between organizations are tracked so we don't lose people between organizations and between our partners. We're get, we'll develop a shared marketing and communication strategy so everybody knows what MPN is, what are the benefits, and every organization can adopt this, a common language uh, to be consistent in the community. Working on developing, what would it look like to have a common intake form across uh, organizations? Um, we all have, if you fill one out, do you have to fill one out at every organization that you go to? Or can we uh, be innovative and fill, just create one? Um, I'm sure there's plenty of challenges associated with that, but I think that's, that'd be a fantastic uh, way to go. Can we, can we auto-enroll people when they come if their income is below something, can we auto-enroll them in another service that we know they need or that they qualify for um, and break down some of those barriers that many of our families experience going from agency to agency? Um, we're also looking at, how we have now a dedicated services coordinator that is um, facilitating this connect, the, the kind of connector between all of our services to, to build this pipeline, the kind of physical person to help families move through it. Um, and then maybe the most exciting piece of this is having a shared database where agencies, school district, uh, CBO partners can share a common database and look at clients and see, hey, I work at Good Sam and I'm working with the Lopez family. Um, I'm going to log in. I'm going to look up what's happening with the Lopez family. And I also see that Instituto is working with that family. And I also see that Mission Neighborhood Health Center is working with that family. How can we use that shared database to look at things in a different way and to collaborate on these, essentially collaborate on these families, kind of case conferencing approach um, across agencies to improve our services and to ultimately improve their outcomes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of our ambitious vision for uh, service integration. Can I ask you a quick yes, question yes. about that? So. Um, Actually, a couple of years ago when I was on the school board and I sat on the select committee, we had the same conversation about how do we share data about our students between SFUSD and HSA and maybe even, you know, um, youth that are in and out of our juvenile justice system so that we can share information that might be helpful in us serving um, young people. And privacy issues came up. So I'm curious as to kind of how you overcame that and, and, and what, what you see some of the obstacles being. Yeah. So the privacy thing is a huge issue. Um, um, we are, so I, you know, we're certainly not there yet, 
um, the consent is an issue, the privacy issues, and then like some organizations around, like um, like the healthcare organizations, there's a lot of FERPA and DERPA and all that stuff, regulation. So we're, we're, we're working to see what, what we can do together. And um, I wonder if that's also an opportunity to collaborate with some of the city agencies on um, removing some of those barriers, addressing some of those issues. So we can kind of, we can figure it out as we go, but we're very much aware that that is a huge barrier. I think we need yeah. your help in helping us remove some of our barriers. Okay. <laughs> Note to self, I'll put that on here. But yeah, so, so we're, we'll, um, as we begin to figure this piece out, uh, we are happy to communicate this back and see how it's going and, and, and whatever help we can get so then we can replicate this across the city. And to, uh, we're definitely, uh, we have no problem being guinea pigs in this. Um, as, as, um, as I mentioned earlier, this is our zone. And, and going back to that service integration piece, this is um, kind of the physical manifestation of what we're trying to achieve around service integration where we've identified not only the schools but a set of community anchor institutions that um, are well respected, that provide a lot of services um, as kind of entry points into the system. Uh, so if you go to any one of these sites, um, you can enter into this Mission Promise neighborhood pipeline. Um, so that's, 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 that's another uh, way that we're looking at. We're looking at, like, what does it mean to be a community hub? What are the requirements? What are the service standards? What are the, you know, what are the logos and all that stuff so that we can kind of create that community within these organizations. Um, briefly touch on this family success coach position that we uh, developed after uh, being in Harlem. Um, this is essentially the, the, they'll be, these are meta staff that will be at the community, at these community hubs and are really the service ambassadors for the Mission Promise neighborhood. Um, they're the connectors. They will work with families to uh, further assess needs and goals with a financial capability lens. You know, in talking with uh, our partner organizations and especially at the school site, when we looked at, you know, there are a lot of services available at the school, but the financial one, the financial education, the, the kind of the financial coaching is something that um, they, they, they lack. And so we feel that this is a huge value add to bring on site. Um, and their approach is really around building trust, around coaching and empowering families to meet their goals. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about another very exciting piece around the data and evaluation and our John Gardner Center team is here. Um, Maureen Carew, who was with the school district before. Um, Rebecca London, the lead researcher over there. Monica Lopez and Laurel Sipes are here. Uh, thank you for coming, ladies. Um, so um, I may call on you if you want to talk a little bit about dig deeper in here and if you have specific questions, uh, commissioners and supervisors, um, they can come up and talk about it. Uh, but this is really an outcome-driven um, uh, data-driven and outcome-driven uh, project. Uh, as you know, our services are uh, required by DOE to be evidence-based. Um, we are establishing, a, we have established a common set of indicators and outcomes, and now we're working with our partner agencies to develop a common set of performance measures um, to ultimately ensure that we're all working uh, and achieving what we said that we're going to achieve. Um, we've partnered with Stanford. Um, who has been working already with the school district for several years and several other agencies to uh, create a research and evaluation design. We are um, entering the, 
muddy waters and scary waters of data use and sharing agreements with agencies and working on consent issues and we're just required by DOE to get an individual uh, an IRB um, clearance uh, individualized review board uh, we will be conducting a neighborhood survey in the spring um, to get at a lot of the data that we know you just can't get at the kind of with the traditional um, or the most common data sources like the census, uh, especially around are kids feeling safe? Are family, what is the income debt credit savings of the families? What is their housing situation? So really getting in depth. Um, and finally, this shared database, we just launched it um, internally for Meta. Uh, so this is our Salesforce case management system. Um, and we are now working on phase two, which is actually uh, developing the, the the second phase, which is um, where partners can uh, use it uh, collaboratively. And this is our, um, essentially our data and evaluation framework. Um, we really want to know at the population level, uh, is the Mission Promise neighborhood better off as a result of these integrated services uh, that we're providing to, that we will be providing to our residents. Um, and so we have a common set of measures there. We also want to know are children and families receiving the services they need to achieve success? And finally, are, are MPN services in this pipeline effective and are partners working together to ensure that children and families are better off? So we really want to look at um, all these various levels of analysis to get at, does this, is this working? Um, and if it's not, what can we do to change it? Um, so we're taking this, we're investing heavily in the data and evaluation component. We have a five-person internal evaluation team. We have this case management system. We have this amazing partnership with the Gardner Center. Um, and so we're really taking this really, really seriously. Um, and then this is kind of a, uh, maybe it's not super clear, but this is how we picture the, the data flowing between partners, our case management system. John Gardner Center has access to the district's individual uh, student level data that we do not. And so they, we will be sending them our, essentially all our partner and client data. They will be combining it with student data and we'll be able to see, did these services have an impact on um, academic scores, on attendance? Uh, so they'll be able to do that service and um, performance matching. And then finally, we'll, uh, we'll be sending some of this data to the department and now also the Urban Institute who is starting to look at um, the Promise Neighborhood Initiative uh, throughout the country. <coughs> so there's a lot of opportunities um, when it comes to the data sharing and just data and evaluation and what uh, we can partner with city agencies, with the school district and with everybody else on. It's creating these common intake forms to share, uh, facilitate the sharing of data across agencies developing shared performance measures, um, establishing common definitions of, of outcomes, of what we're trying to achieve so we can all measure it in the same way, that we all talk about it in the same way, um, that agencies um, and CBOs can align, uh, and even foundations can align on, what, align on what kind of outcomes we want to see, um, and that we uh, also invest in our community's capacity to do the data work to do the evaluation work because it's hard um, and because it's expensive. Um, I'm going to call up my colleague, 
Marco for a few minutes who can talk a little bit about how we are viewing the, the kind of creating the sustainability within the community to further this work over the long term by building uh, the capacity of um, nonprofits, by building the capacity of parents, of students, and residents in the community to really ultimately own this work and carry it forward. Um, so he, he'll talk a little bit about it. Thank you, Victor. Uh, so as Victor said, my name is Marco, Marco Montenegro, and I'm the uh, Leadership Academy Director for Mission Promise Neighborhood. Uh, so thank you for the, really the opportunity to come up and share with you uh, what I'm really passionate about uh, in terms of just building up the leadership. Uh, as Victor talked about the purpose, I think it really aligns with the comments both uh, that you shared, Supervisor Kim and, and Commissioner Mendoza. Supervisor Kim, you talked about strengthening partnerships, right, and creating sustainability. Um, and then uh, Commissioner Mendoza, you talked about the importance of collaboration, right? And then again, I think Supervisor Kim, you, me you mentioned like really making this our initiative, right? Uh, but not just the cities and metas, but really the whole communities. Uh, and that's really what this uh, Leadership Academy is about. So, so there, there are really uh, three objectives, right? Um, it's about invigorating a continuous commitment to a shared vision uh, and really ensure community buy-in and participation really at all levels, right? And I'll talk a little bit more about that. We also want to build the capacity of high-performing community organizations, right? We need to ensure their long-term sustainability and their ability really to scale up what works. Um, I think there is no argument in terms of the critical role that nonprofits play in the community in terms of helping to strengthen the safety net, right? And so we want to make sure that these organizations, particularly grassroots organizations, continue to be there to do that. Uh, we also want to work with parents, students, and community residents, right? So they develop ownership of MPN and its vision and get them to actively participate in the decision-making process. So there are four components to the Leadership Academy. They're the organizational capacity building, the community organizing advocacy and policy. They're working with promotoras or promotores, and also infusing volunteers into this work. Now, in terms of the organizational capacity building, um, some of the work that we're doing is around helping to build this next generation of leaders, right? As you would think about sustainability, as you think about a long-term trajectory, then it really is about building up this next generation of leaders that can help keep this vision and really uh, commit to doing this work and doing it well. Uh, so some of the things that we're putting in place are, for example, peer exchanges, which is where you bring these next generation of leaders uh, together to network and then also provide them with the skills building that they need in efforts to do that work. Uh, in terms of community organizing, advocacy and policy, it's building the leadership in students, in parents, in residents, right, and in organizations, so they, they become strong advocates for policies to support Mission Promise Neighborhood. Marco, Please. I just, I want to be um, really thoughtful about the time, and I know yes. there's 40 minutes allocated to this presentation. We're already at that point, and we haven't even gotten to questions and comments, so I don't know if you want to think about what you want to cover, and because you also want to... Yes. Make sure that we get to the 40th anniversary of your organization. <laughs> Nobody wants to get there any, any, any faster than that. So, uh, well, let me go to, to the part that, that Victor talked about in terms of uh, really opportunities and where we see, uh, where we think these opportunities exist, right? So, so I think there's an opportunity to standardize family engagement. Uh, 
and, and really it's around developing a, a standardized curriculum. And it shouldn't say for, but it should say with the school district, right? And also making sure that there are culturally based and linguistically appropriate trainings for school personnel and for parents, uh, support for early childhood networks. Um, you know, we've learned that there's, or our early uh, childhood managers working with, uh, with some of these providers and she's worked with the Latino uh, providers network. She also knows that there's uh, African American providers network and Asian provider network. And what we're hearing is that they would like more support and opportunities to come together and share uh, challenges as well as uh, strategies. And then I think something that, that's, that's important and really relative to the comment that, um, that was in the paper in terms of uh, Secretary uh, Donovan's visit where uh, the student talked about the, the neighborhood being taken over, right? And, and we think that one way in which we could help young people uh, really aspire to these leadership roles is to help build capacity in the Latino community around serving on boards and serving on, on commissions. Um, there's we'd, what doesn't appear here, but I think other opportunities are around transitions, right? How do we help uh, youth that are going into middle school by potentially providing them su with summer camps, right, where they can just get much better acclimated with what they're about to step into? Um, also with summer school programs, right, we can, if we can leverage more, just more spots for, for, for kids to participate in those programs. Uh, Victor's already talked about data sharing. Also, uh, post-high school transition and support. And then I think one that, con that comes up almost every summer, I think Supervisor Avalos, you've worked on this issue, is around um, just providing job development opportunities for youth, but paid, paid job development opportunities over the summer for high school youth. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions or comments around this section of the presentation? Yeah, please stop us so we can just kind of not have to wait all the way to the, to the end. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's still more? Oh, um, yeah, there's. <laughs> I, you know, because um, we have two more 30-minute presentations after this, so I. You mean after 5.30? No, after you. Oh, this is, yeah, so I was, I'm, I'll be facilitating kind of bringing folks up. Oh, you're introducing so. SFUSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. and, and, oh, I'm, my apologies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Yeah, but let's it. take a break at this point before we move on to um, SFUSD and our city departments for questions and comments. Commissioner Wins. Thank you. Um, first, if I may, a uh, point of personal privilege, I'd like to introduce uh, Bennett Kaiser, who's a member of the Los Angeles Unified School District Board of Education and his staff and other community partners. They have been spending the day talking to us in San Francisco Unified about our partnership programs with city departments. So we thought this was perfect for them to be able to come here and so we welcome them and acknowledge them. And second, I do have two questions. One is, which maybe will be covered in the SFUSD part, but I was wondering when you pick the community hubs, how you pick the schools and what the experience will be of people who, I, I'm a little fearful that some family is going to think, well, I just have to go to that school, not my school, and how they experience that and what we say to them about that, how we communicate with parents and families about using services, using schools as community hubs. And just so you can answer them at the same time, um, when the, the last 
uh, presentation, the last slide we covered about opportunities, where we pointed out that it said develop standardized curriculum now with SFUSD schools, not for. I'd like to know what kind of curriculum you mean. I'm sort of hoping you mm -hmm. mean this leadership curriculum and not academic curriculum, but could you Yes, correct. That? <laughs> um, so on the first, on your first question around um, the selection of the schools and the community hubs, so the schools were selected when we submitted um, our planning grant back in 2011, yeah. um, and so they were the ones that were some of the ones that were recipients of the school improvement grant. Um, and then I actually don't know the full, full story behind why these specific schools, but I think it's because the school improvement grant and also um, kind of some of the uh, most in need. Um, so that's, 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 so there are seven in the district, but we only picked four. Um, and then as far as the community hubs, uh, and maybe um, Kevin and, uh, or Carlene can address the specific decisions around the, those four schools, or Commissioner Mendoza? I have to say, I'm more, I, un, I appreciate hearing about mm -hmm. how the schools were picked. I'm more interested in the difference of the experience of people using some schools and not other schools oh, see, in the community and how we figure out how that actually plays out in the community. Yeah, I guess we'll have to stay tuned and figure <laughs> out what that is. We're just starting, we're just starting now. We just started implementation on July 1, so I'm not, um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that yet because I think we're still building uh, what that could look like. Um, but over these next five years, we really want to um, address all the schools in the mission and start working with all the schools in the mission. Um, but for some of that, we will need um, you know, additional uh, resources to expand. Uh, for the five years under DOE, we're working with these four I, schools. I, but, I appreciate that, and yeah. I, I trust that, and we are very dedicated to find, making sure that the work that's done through this project with the schools mm -hmm. will benefit all the schools. It's the, this is the gateway to services, <clears throat> excuse me, through the Mission Promise neighborhood program mm -hmm. that is, uh, that, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to do it now. I just want to know that people yeah. are sort of paying attention to yeah. um, so, is, how yeah, we kind I, of change the role of uh -huh. those schools we chose in the community, not mm -hmm. the within the school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, um, I think we have to be very conscious of that. And while we are targeting these four schools, all of the community services are, you know, ex exist throughout the community. So it's going to be our job and all of um, all of our partners' jobs to really um, kind of remove some of that exclude, perhaps perceived exclusionary, um, whatever you want to call it, exclusion, um, and really be, this is about, yes, we're focusing on these four schools for these next few years, but this is really about the mission. And we're certainly not excluding anybody, whether you live or work or not live or work in the mission or go to school in the mission. These services, as with all the other organizations, they're available all the time. And, um, and so we, we definitely need to be very conscious of that. Um, yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, just some quick comments on community organizations, I just also think it's important, um, if you haven't already, to work with the SRO Family Collaborative in the mission. Um, so many, I mean, in, in the district that I represent as well, but so many of our families live in SROs, um, single room occupancy, and are, you know, c could be considered homeless, so I think it's important to make sure that we uh, partner with them, and also some of our emergency shelters where I see a lot of our Latino families um, in, and, and many of them go to, the, go to our public schools, so, want to make sure that we also find ways to um, focus on, 
on that, on that portion of our neighborhood too, um, as well as the Coalition for the Homeless. And the last piece, and this is moving kind of to the city portion, but I think DBI is a really important department to partner with as well, Department of Building Inspection, because mm -hmm. quality of housing is such an important aspect of healthy neighborhoods, and many of our families and residents live in, um, you know, in, in buildings that really need to come out to code, and that's really impacting the health of our families and our kids in particular. And so figuring out how we can work with our housing inspectors and our building inspectors too to be partners in the Mission Promise neighborhood, I think can be a great way of you know, using the delivery of services too, because a lot of families don't file complaints because they don't know how to. It's difficult to figure out. And you kind of talked about how can we make it easier for our families to be able to interface with government and, and, and get through the paperwork and bureaucracy as well. Thank you. I think those are, are great points. I think on the, on, the, on the work with the SROs and the homeless um, population, I know my colleague, uh, Mr. Medina here, has been working the last few months to address some of this, um, the population there in the mission. Uh, and I think that's a great idea around the building inspection, so thank you. Um, thank you. If there are, are there any further comments before I transition over? No to, further. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and maybe, uh, Curtis, do you want to come up and just briefly explain a little bit about these slides um, before we move into the, the school piece, just to call out the, um, the health component? Sure. Um, so I have these, these two, so just briefly before we... And if, before we move on to present, presenters, I know there are 30 minutes allocated, so I just want to make sure that you give us time to comment and ask questions as well. Um, so do we, when we go through the slide presentations, to think about that. Sure, I'll just spend a couple of minutes. Uh, I, I'm Curtis Chan, Medical Director of Maternal Child Health for the Department of Public Health. And I just want to make some comments regarding the systems change that the Mission Promise neighborhood and specifically META is facilitating. and. Uh, I think the biggest systems change is that this renewed focus on one, the triangular relationship between economic success, uh, poverty, health, and education. Actually, that's, that's a square instead of a triangle, but um, <laughs> so a quadrangle um, um, relationship. And, um, and, and I think you know, over the last course of the, the course of the last 12 months, uh, we've been analyzing our data and realized um, better understood disparity in health care access, which is really our focus, particularly in Latina young women, uh, Latina mothers, fathers, and also uh, in health care access and mental health access, and also in Latino children's cavities. The, um, uh, uh, the one-page document that you have, and I'll distribute to the uh, community here as well is something that are it's just an example of systems uh, pushing us a little bit further this is uh, uh, information that our epidemiologists put together it's um, you could see here uh, this is uh, the intersection between obesity and educational attainment um, and life course health issues you can see for amongst our four schools that this is the prevalence of overweight and obesity. And in San Francisco, the range in schools ranges from, there's a whole cluster of schools on the west side that have a overweight and obesity prevalence about 20%. And you can see here in the Mission District, O'Connell High has an overweight and obesity prevalence of 53%, Everett 58%, Bryan Elementary 70%, and Cesar Chavez is the highest in, in San Francisco at 79%. And the colors in blue are those children who are uh, school lunch um, 
eligible have even higher rates, so that's a great example of how we need to improve their economic success to improve health. Um, that's a similar slide showing that Hispanics across San Francisco have overweight and obesity rates uh, greater than 50%. It's even higher than African Americans and twice as high as Asians and whites in our public schools. And uh, this is an example of how we're addressing uh, the health needs by medical homes, uh, early childhood wellness. We're going to uh, enhance the wellness centers at schools. We're uh, going to augment our nutrition and exercise initiatives within the schools. We're de developing healthy Apple Awards for early child care um, excellence in nutrition and physical activity uh, that supports Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative. Uh, we're developing a mission healthy learning collaborative called MILK, um, and the school district is going to enhance its nutrition education project. Um, would somebody from the district like to come up and, and talk a little about SIG and our collaboration? Just want to welcome Carling Aguilar Fort, who is the um, deputy superintendent, assistant. assistant superintendent of the Mission Empowerment Zone. Mission superintendent. Good evening, um, Carling Aguilera Fort, assistant superintendent for the superintendent zone Mission District, and I have the pleasure of supervising four of the schools that are under MPN. So. I think many of the pieces were explained already through Victor, and so what I will highlight, it will be exactly what is the connection between the work that is being done right now at the schools and the mission zone and the work that MEDA is proposing. So one key piece is the co-funding of the common resources that we already have in the district, in the mission schools, like social workers, um, nurses, and coaches. And uh, the collaboration between MEDA and MPN and the schools in the mission district is exactly to co-fund and have that common uh, vision of what is it that those schools were doing before that was successful. And how can the MPN grant that possibility of continuing those services and adding the other ones that they have. Uh, Chris, I think you have the slides already. This, who has the slides for this? Yeah, here. Okay. 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 Yeah. Accomplishments and then Thank you. So here are the pieces, and I will go directly with the last one. And you hear from Victor that they are trying to build capacity, and so do we in the schools in the mission zone. So we are trying to bring the professionals at the leadership teams at the school level, but also the professionals that are funded through the MPN. And the whole idea is that through the two different perspectives, we will look at what is going on in the life of these students and how we can target the students and family so that they can be successful academically. 
you have here the funding exactly how they are doing the funding for part-time and full-time personnel, and we are still trying to figure out what other personnel we will be funding, the staff that will support this initiative for next year. So far, we are at the initial stages, and the community school coordinators, the nurses, and the social workers or learning professional are the ones that we have identified specifically from both organizations that will be supporting the schools. Kevin will tell us a little bit about how, what are the specific highlights of this partnership, and then we can respond to any question that you have. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I guess we'll, um, let's see where we are now. Uh, we just want to say a little bit, uh, you have other slides in front of you. We have our own wheel that was included in your handout, which is the PELP framework, which is just to show that we are also, um, we've also been working very diligently to align systems and supports. And for us, the focus of that is the instructional core. It's what's happening in the classroom between the teacher, the student, and the content. And then how do we support that? How do we have wraparound supports um, and vertical alignments of supports all the way through the district level through the various departments within our school district. This school district is huge. We have services from various areas, special education uh, services, nutritional services, uh, all of those services which can, you can think of as ways. So we're always looking at ways to integrate those as well. SFUSD has been at the table uh, through the inception and planning stages of the Mission Promise neighborhood and working with the working groups to develop some of the solutions that became ultimately part of the funded proposal as well as having our superintendent's own mission leaders, Carling, our principals, and school site and central staff. Right now, as we implement, working directly with MPN staff on the rollout. And the MPN grant is great, but it's based on finite funding, $30 million over five years. So SFUSD, as, a, as an entity, is also more fully funding the evidence and research-based solutions in its schools aligned with the purposes of Mission Promise Neighborhood. As an example, under SIG, we had pushed down, we, we already had a wellness concept or wellness centers at our high school level, and we provided previously maybe a half-time nurse and a half-time social worker. We determined that it was probably stronger to have teams of full-time nurses and social workers along with other care team members at the school to provide more effective services for students and families. So we started doing that under SIG. Uh, we have, as a district, developed a multi-tiered system of support where we provide resources to our schools of highest need. And so we had already planned to in incorporate full-time nurses and social workers, and MPN contributes two of the half-time nurses across the four schools and all the other positions are paid for by the district. But the concept of a wellness concept is, is to make sure that we have these full-time teams to work with the care teams in the school. So that's just one example. One of the things that I think we wanted to reflect on the learnings from, from the, the planning for Mission Promise Neighborhood and now the launch is that I think we're learning, we're all learning, I don't mean just we as SFUSD, but I think all members of the collaborative are learning to understand and work across organizational cultures, expertise, policies, and practices. We all do things somewhat differently. We have different policy and regulatory guidelines, uh, different compliance kinds of issues, as well as different aspirational issues at times. And so those are important for us to learn how to blend. That's the sort of the human side of the change as well. 
Also, the, there are key organizational coordinating practices, such as the developing of contracts and MOUs. These are technical things. We have you know, legal things, but they're also a deeply uh, human and collaborative undertaking in developing shared expectations and accountability, we feel. Uh, some of the opportunities and challenges we see that are coming up as a common across our various agencies and organizations is building relational trust to be more effective in our work, sharing data, which was raised earlier in this presentation, identifying, clarifying meaningful indicators. And in our prep for this meeting, I know some of you were telling us, you know, you're interested in what the city can do. I guess one of the things is, do we have the most meaningful indicators for every neighborhood in the city? Do we know what the meaningful set of indicators are that we visit on a routine basis and that we can connect directly to how services that are whether they're city, CBO, or school touch the lives of children, youth, and families? And then attending to confidentiality, that was mentioned earlier, ensuring compliance and at the same time staying true to the vision. Also just knowing and effectively engaging with our students, clients, and families. The common intake form is a great uh, procedural idea. I think all of us were impressed in visiting the Harlem Children's Zone in that one of the things about that is that no matter how you enter the services of the Harlem Children's Zone, whether you come to an after-school program or you come to a social work service or you, come, or you join one of their charter schools, once you're in, there's a stickiness to there's a there's an embrace we're gonna follow up with you, we're not gonna let you get away. We've caught you, we've captured you, you're part of us now. And so, you know, procedurally, maybe it's common intake forms, maybe there's some procedures, but more importantly, it's we get to know who you are and we make sure that you're successful. And so by linking, I think, our city agencies with our school district and with um, CBOs and others, we have more boots on the ground to actually develop that embrace for children, youth, and families, and to make sure they're making it through the system. Uh, we, also, we are also looking at the, the opportunities and challenges of coordinating and integrating services, of being evidence and research-based, of strategically allocating limited funding, and of communicating clearly and widely. So I think these are some of the things that come up as we look at how to work more effectively. And we just wanted to, to bring some of those reflections, some of those ideas, and we welcome any specific questions you may have. There were also more details about the specific funded services in what you have as a handout. Are there any questions or comments? I, I just had one, and, and that was that um, I remember uh, when I sat on the school board when we saw expulsions come to us, we frequently saw very similar patterns. Mm -hmm. um, you know, no credits, and then they're a junior, and, and they're, they're on our expulsion list, and they're going into our county schools. And so the question that always came up is, it's, it was really clear a year ago that this kid would be in closed session today getting expelled. So have we started to develop um, a set of early indicators so that we can yeah. start to catch yeah. that, that, that we just know, like, we're... Uh, that we're going to start to to utilize. That's one. And the second, um, you know, we have an amazing, we, we do amazing data collection at the district, and I think, you know, uh, Ridukana is, is phenomenal in doing that type of work. So, and, and we seem to kind of repeat ourselves. And so we can also look at past data. We don't have to just collect data on current students. We can just, we can also look at past students and see um, how we can be more successful in addressing the issues that we haven't been able to. There are many, 
there are many ways in, in which data are being used more effectively in the district. One that specifically speaks to what you're saying, of course, are the early warning indicators that the, they have to do with the GPA and the attendance rate for students before ninth grade. A number of our schools, especially even in the Mission, Mission High School, right now they take their list of students who have um, early warning indicators that, that say they might be susceptible to dropout or expulsion, and they take that list as soon as they come in as ninth graders and they've set up now they've set up now mentoring cohorts and the the principal of the school as well as the community school coordinator as well as many teachers are actually becoming uh, are running group mentor um, programs with those kids who have early warning indicators as well as other students in the school and actually shepherding them through their school experience in a way that is to, to ensure that they are accessing services they need, that they're getting support, and that they're being academically successful. That's just one example, but there are a number of ways. I don't know if there's anything else. No, no, thank you. Okay. There are no other questions or comments here. Um, so, um, we also have our friends here from DCYF and um, OEWD, so there are obviously key partners working with us, with the school district, and across all our CBO agencies. Um, so if you have any questions for them, they are available. They said so they don't need to give remarks, but they are available for okay. questions. So we do have um, Maria Sue, the department head of DCYF here, and I believe that um, Emily and Randolph from OEWD, Mayor's Office of Economic and Workforce Development, and Cassandra Coe from IFR. Hey, cool. no questions. All right. So I think um, uh, I'll call Luis Granados, our Executive Director from Meta, up to talk a little bit about um, some of the local opportunities um, and some next steps, and then um, I will turn it over to our friends from PolicyLink here who can talk more about the state and national level work um, and how we can all work together moving forward and actually create the sustainability. Thank you, everyone. And I'll make this short. Oh, no, no. And before, and before you start and before PolicyLink goes, I think it would be really helpful for us. You know, I know the school district has gotten several presentations on Mission Promise Neighborhood. But what is, what, if you could also let us know, what is, um, most helpful to you from the city's end for this to be successful, since for many of us this is the first time that we're hearing about um, this program. Great. Well, I'll speak to the helpfulness of the city, uh, and I have to say, and the school district, is that without the city, without the school district, this Mission Promise neighborhood would not be possible. And for the two and a half years that we've been working together, it's been a really supportive partnership. And to this point, I, we could not have asked more from the city. And in particular, I have to point out to Hydra Mendoza, who has been a champion for this project from the planning to the implementation, really not, um, not directing the project, but problem solving. So I really have appreciated working with her in that, in that manner. Uh, I think it's really outstanding. And I think, so what I want to talk about is really about how really we make we, we, we were successful in the planning grant, which is great, successful in the implementation grant. But I think the hard work is actually really ahead of us. I think some of the things that, that I've heard were mentioned earlier today, for instance, you talked about the quality of housing. You know, we need to have better data of what is that quality of housing, what's, how many units, where, and what families are there. And this is what we have to do to make sure that we can come up with policies that actually address the need. And, 
And so our job as Mission Promise Neighborhood, Victor mentioned that we have a five-person evaluation team, is to get closer to that data and have that agreement with the city so that we can collectively create better policies around connecting, improving that housing and connecting it to those low-income people. That's really important. Um, I think also with our community partners and with our city departments, we have to really talk about more about how we um, work on outcomes and not just outputs, and really make sure that the strategies that we are implementing are really addressing the need and are achieving the results that we want. I think that there's a gap in doing that, both from the nonprofit community as well as um, some of the city infrastructure. And, and for our, what we can bring through Promise Neighborhood is have clarity on what are those outcomes, how do we measure them, and not take it in a way where we're poking at the department, where we're poking at the nonprofit, but really try to problem solve and figure out how do we identify, how do we create the capacity for those departments, for those organizations to better measure those outcomes. Um, Victor, talk about the building the systems. We think often this conversations around services is about more service. I've spoken here before about how MEDA needs more resources to provide more business development services, more foreclosure services. We're changing the conversation. I think the more service conversation is important, but I think we need to also think about more about what are the systems. What is the, what are the system and where, where does that one service fit within the system? How do those, the set of services connect to each other, and what are the systems and processes that, that, that connect the supportive services to the one goal that you have. I think thinking more systemically for the city, I think it's really important. The city's investing so much money, so much money in, in these services, but I don't necessarily think that we're thinking about it in a systemic way, in a way that, um, that is accessible to their nonprofit partners. I think we need to elevate that conversation with the city departments, and I think they, like what I've understood already from the city departments is that they're welcoming of that conversation. And interestingly enough, um, when, when OAWD went out and put an RFP for the access points, they actually organized their services into a system. We were so pleased to hear that, to see that, because this is exactly where we need to head. And from, from Mission Promise Neighborhood's perspective, we want to figure out how do we support that, that particular system and other systems around early learning, around cradle to career to college services, around technology, around family economic success. Thinking about the systems, it's really, really, really important. The other thing is sharing the model. We think that family economic success is fundamental to the various sets of work that we do. We are all interested in making sure that low-income individuals are, are successful. And by definition, if, if we're talking about low-income individuals and the particular issue is early learning or housing or legal status, by, def, by, by it's common sense that family economic success is one of the key issues that we have to work on. And so if we're talking about health services, how do we incorporate family economic success into the strategies? If we're talking about affordable housing, how do we incorporate family economic success into that conversation? Legal status, people, people are gonna have to pay, what, $700, $800 if immigration reform happens for a family of four? 
that could potentially be unaffordable. We have to include family economic success in that, in that, in that conversation. So for us, it's really exporting this model, because right now we, we, we're, we're connecting academic achievement and family economic success, but we think family economic success is fundamental to the other uh, needs of these constituents. Lastly, I just want to mention about service integration. We keep on talking about service integration, and one of the things that we've done at MEDA now through practice is now we know what that means, what it is, what are the steps, what are the systems, which I have to be uh, honest with you. A year and a half ago, two years ago, we did not know what that was, and now we actually know because we tried it, we failed at some things, and we've improved it. And the whole concept of service integration is about how organizations, including departments and nonprofits and the school district, work well together. And that's the thing, well, well, work well together. Right now, there's no incentives for organizations like MEDA to look at what my partner is doing, to, to look at what this other partner is doing. There are no incentives, there's no leveraging of, of this resources that are actually going to serve the same population. I, we had a conversation today with uh, the Mission Network Health Centers today. They serve 13,000 people. We serve about 7,000 people. But to date, there hasn't been that collaboration. Potentially, and, and, and the thing is that there's a, a strong overlap between those 13,000 people that they serve and our 7,000. And so it's just so important that we that we make that connection and, and have intentionally and incentivize the working together. It's not about working in silos anymore. So I just, so I think these are challenging conversations where we're challenging the sector, the nonprofits, the school district, the city departments. We're all in this together and we wanna engage in that conversation in a constructive, positive way to really make sure that we are doing the best by our constituents. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations again on 40 years serving our city. I hope you guys are coming. <laughs> I don't think Commissioner Mendoza is going to be able to make it. <laughs> um, before I turn it over to our friends from PolicyLink, Maybe I also um, just briefly uh, discuss something that Luis skipped over, which is the promised zones. Um, so that's something that we're working on um, right now with various city agencies, with Commissioner Mendoza and several others um, to really develop this um, proposal to DOE that's really about integrating federal funds, uh, both from the Department of Education, from HUD, from um, DOJ, you name it, they're all really working um, in, the same, in the same way that we're trying to collaborate on the ground, they're trying to do the same thing um, at the federal agency level in these communities um, that are in high poverty. So uh, they'll be working on improving affordable housing, improving educational opportunities, uh, and they're really working to, um, part of it is like working on the ground with organizations to kind of cut the red tape to facilitate working with federal programs um, so they designate somebody actually on the ground uh, to provide technical assistance to these communities to navigate those uh, both regulatory and bureaucratic barriers uh, and increase access to funds. Um, it's a designation. It's not tied to any specific amount of money, but it is 
the, the you will receive a designation as a as a promise zones, um, which gives you some benefits and applications uh, and future applications. So they're probably de going to designate about 20 communities over the next four years, and this first year will probably be about five. Um, there will be tax incentives uh, built into it for hiring and investing in these zones, um, and it will also uh, provide increased access to federal investments that further the goals of job creation, economic activity, educational opportunity, reduction in violent crime. Um, so, so quite a few things that are uh, coming down the pike that we are um, looking at to ensure the sustainability and this further collaboration. So with that, I will turn it over to um, Chris Brown from PolicyLink. In the interest of time, uh, please let me know if it would be helpful to provide an overview of our role with the Promise Neighborhood effort or if I should just jump right in into the sustainability efforts on the national level. Dive in. Dive in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, PolicyLink hosts the Pol uh, Promise Neighborhood Institute, which is the technical assistance provider, but also the folks who make sure uh, to look at this question of sustainability and to make sure that the state and national programs uh, are advanced. And so uh, my particular role uh, serving in our D.C. office in Washington is to make sure to interface with Congress and members of the administration around ensuring that the program continues to receive funding. Um, as the Mission Promise Neighborhood is an implementation grantee for the next five years, uh, that is still contingent actually on congressional appropriations. So that is a, an initial ask uh, and priority for us to make sure we advocate properly for the program, lifting up the stories and the successes of folks like the Promise neighborhood here in San Francisco and across the country. Uh, we represent all 60 members of the cohort or the network of folks that we assist, those uh, with planning and implementation grants as well as those who are high scores. Uh, in the application rounds since 2010 to who are ramping up and seeking to um, actually get, receive federal funding. Um, my colleague uh, Patrice will come up shortly to talk a little bit about the state effort here in California. Um, but the other part of our federal effort in Washington is also making sure to not just get the federal appropriations but also to seek uh, ways to uh, ensure that the program is more of a, a permanent fixture at the department. Uh, through authorization. So there are currently two pieces of legislation in Congress that we have been uh, advocating for for the past several years to make sure that the program is authorized. Um, the, the only viable vehicle to make sure that happens is actually to get embedded into the ESEA or the uh, Elementary and Secondary Education Act uh, that's you know, up for reauthorization, hopefully uh, sometime okay. soon that you know, <laughs> Congress can actually move something in this direction. We are a part of that package. Luckily, one of our Champions for the program, Senator Harkin is the chair of the committee who, who, who authors that piece of legislation. And uh, currently we're a part of that bill. We, 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 are, we hope and pray that the bill can actually see passage in the next year or so. Um, let me know if you have any questions. That's a quick overview. Um, just a brief history. Uh, since 2010, the Promise Neighborhoods program actually has seen a growth in appropriations, one of the few federal programs that, that has actually seen uh, a positive increase. Uh, starting in 2010, we started at $10 million uh, in the following year in 2011, going to $30 million. And so we currently are in a $60 million uh, yearly appropriation under the continuing resolution. Um, we're hoping and, you know, hoping that this does not change much given all of the 
um, roadblocks in Congress with the continuing resolution fight. Uh, budget sequestration issues are obviously at play here, so we are seeing some potential threats down the line. Um, please let me know if you have any questions. Great, good evening. Um, the Promised Neighborhoods Institute is really excited uh, to be working on uh, state-level uh, work that uh, will potentially establish a statewide uh, Promised Neighborhoods Initiative. We've been working closely with Assemblymember Raul Bocanegra um, to make this happen. And at the same time, as part of the network of grantees here in California, uh, they've actually been stepping up in their leadership to support uh, the legislation. Um, it is AB 1178, um, the California Promise Neighborhoods Initiative, and what it would do is establish uh, 40 Promise Neighborhood communities across the uh, across the state, and that would also include the eight planning and implementation uh, grants uh, that exist currently. Um, it would also provide competitive preference uh, toward other state resources to help to align the work that is currently underway in a lot of these communities. Um, the uh, program would be housed in the California uh, Department of Education, and so we've been working closely with the agency uh, to continue to uh, strengthen language to make sure that we can provide uh, additional benefits to communities uh, in helping them align their work across the cradle to career pipelines. Um, I want to say that uh, following from Mr. Campos's statements earlier about how the country is watching San Francisco and, and the mission uh, in terms of their work they're doing here, I think the country is also watching the state of California because if the um, California Promise Neighborhood Initiative uh, actually passes, it would be the first statewide model uh, in the country of, uh, of being able to establish such a strong, um, uh, innovative education uh, program. Uh, so in, to answer your question as to what can the city and the county uh, can do to support some of this work, uh, we encourage that you support the legislation. And in addition to that, if you can share with us some of the barriers that you all are facing in aligning some of the resources and programs to support uh, the Mission Promise neighborhood, maybe there's a way at the state level we can help to, to address that. Uh, and also, as always, uh, in, in engage your state representatives uh, in this work to to create a statewide program. Thank you. Thank you. Can I? Commissioner Mendoza. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say that um, PolicyLink will be um, doing a briefing tomorrow for the mayor's office. And Chris, is that at 3 o'clock or? Yeah, at three o'clock. So, if any of your, any of the aides or um, other folks want to join, or anyone from the school district, I think it'll be a really great overview of how just the promised neighborhoods in general are impacting, um, impacting us nationally, and 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 then probably some specifics around the work that we're doing here and how the city can be more engaged in that level. I'm happy to take any questions if you have them or. Or we can cut out early to party. <laughs> so um, questions or comments from colleagues? Um, I, I'll just say a couple of things. First of all, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about this initiative. And, you know, I was corrected a little earlier. Um, it's not just a grant. It, it really isn't 
innovative way that we can model how to deliver programs and services in the city, and I'm really quite excited about it. And, um, you know, it's great to see the leadership of Meta and Luis Granados at, um, bringing this to us and also speaking about some of the um, kind of the history of kind of systematic obstacles um, that prevent us from working better together. Um, and so whether it is even amongst our city departments, um, which I know Maria Sue has been working a lot uh, with Commission Commissioner Mendoza over the last couple of years or even amongst our nonprofits, um, we know that we have to do better to serve our communities because the issues that we talk about today, um, we've seen you know, historically over time in our communities. And um, we have to, we are accountable to addressing these issues. We have to do better. Um, we have to have better outcomes for this generation. And so hopefully this will be um, a good way to really uh, model and um, I, I think experiment is a wrong word, <laughs> um, but try out um, new ways of working collaboratively together. Um, this committee was put together so that we could um, better unify city and school district strategies on serving the same exact families. Um, and so I want to ensure that this committee remains a medium um, to do that. And so happy to bring this back um, over the next um, couple of years uh, um, of the program to see what has been successful, you know, what we can improve on and what we can model. And, uh, you know, I was just talking with Commissioner Mendoza, like, could this work in the Tenderloin? Um, could this work in the Excelsior? I, this is something that's really exciting for all of us because if these are programs that we can model, we can bring them to other neighborhoods with really similar demographics. And also I think that there are things that we can learn from one another. A couple of other things that I just want to bring up, it's something that I, you know, I had worked on with Commissioner Mendoza when I was at the school district is looking at surplus property in the mission uh, within the boundary lines. I know 1950 Mission is there, um, and we looked at putting affordable housing on that site because we understand that the opportunity gap is more than the achievement gap in the classroom. The achievement gap is based on um, a difference of um, opportunities that are provided to our children. One of those opportunities is housing. So how can we be creative about the assets that we do have, um, both within the city family and the school district family, and how can we use those assets? Because land is incredibly expensive in the city. How can we, I, I say this because um, Supervisor Avalos and I were at an eviction, unfortunately yesterday of a senior elderly couple and their disabled daughter um, close to Chinatown. Um, we know land is expensive, so if we own property, how can we leverage the use of that property to actually serve gaps um, that aren't provided by the market? So. Um, Really excited to continue to work on that. We, again, I wanted to bring up DBI. I think housing conditions that our families live in is incredibly important to our health. And I know so many people don't report. Um, and we got to figure out who these property owners are, kind of map out who we need to um, work with. I know that we reach out to owners of our SRO hotels in the south of Market um, and the Tenderloin, but I have to say some of the worst conditions I've seen amongst SRO hotels were in the mission um, when I went door knocking. And we have to contact and see how we can even support these property owners, many of whom are immigrants, um, to providing um, better and healthier resident, uh, residential situations um, for these families. Um, evictions are a really big concern of mine. I know it came up earlier, the price of rent. Again, you know, what can we do to be creative? Housing authority, I know, is another area that um, the city is really looking to revamp. Um, we have many in the mission as well. And the last thing I'll bring up, I know that we had Curtis Chan from DPH speaking about obesity, um, but I know in the Bayview and the Tenderloin, we are 
launching with DPH the Healthy Corner Store campaign. And it's, you know, in, in both these neighborhoods that are considered food deserts, this came forward because we don't have full-service grocery stores, and so we see um, unhealthy behave, eating behavior um, and also obesity in these neighborhoods because we have these liquor stores that sell junk food, tobacco, and alcohol. And we haven't been able to attract full-service grocery stores into these neighborhoods. And so, you know, DPH and community residents were like, well, then let's look at the assets that we have. We have small business owners, many who, of whom are immigrants, that already own liquor stores in our neighborhoods and are willing to be here. So let's help transform their businesses to be corner stores. Let's, let's help them sell fresh produce and bread and milk, and instead of having marble signs, have up signs about how you can reduce, you know, your chances of getting heart disease. So being um, that, that type of small business, not just helping people start businesses, but helping them transform the model so they're actually benefiting the neighborhood. So those are some of my thoughts. Um, I hope that we can be um, as supportive as possible over the next five years. Yes, Commissioner Mendoza. Thank you. Um, I want to just thank everyone for the presentation. This is, a, as, as uh, Supervisor Kim said, a great opportunity for us to talk about the work that we're doing collectively. And um, it, I think that this will, at the end of the day, show what we can do when we target and coordinate our funding and our, and our efforts. And the outcomes that we've had with SIG, um, I think is just a, is, is kind of a path to what we can do when, when we add to that. Um, and then with regards to the other parts of the city, so I, I really want to have us think about what that looks like. And, and I think it's safe to say that Meta is, um, you know, up for being mentors on that. I think we went through quite a bit of, of, um, challenge in figuring out how we were going to pull this off and um, and it's fortunately again worked out we I'm not going to deny the bumps in the road um, but it it is helpful to hear it from those that have kind of gone through it and so when I think about you know whether it's the tenderloin or the excelsior or even Chinatown um, you know Chinatown has applied for the for the grant um, for a planning grant and and you know the city got behind it but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is you know they have a high concentration of SROs their immigrant family low income you know housing challenges I mean all of the things that we have in the mission um, but when it came to the educational piece of it uh, we couldn't demonstrate that our kids that live in Chinatown were not performing well and so it, it really kind of uh, was a stumbling block for their application, but but we know that we can we can do so much better when all of us can get behind our, our schools, and then ultimately have have greater outcomes. I always speak about the city's role in all of this. That you know, as we educate our students, the impact that it'll have on on healthcare and public safety and workforce, um, all the things that are really critical for our city to thrive, um, is so dependent on how we educate our kids. Um, and then the the last thing is um, you know just again that I want to I want to just really thank our city departments because the um, efforts around our city departments we we've got a this is the city we um, we have a lot of things that we're doing on a regular basis and we're trying to get out as much as possible to our families that need it the most and um, I think that the this this initiative um, caused us to pause 
and to really stop and think about how many resources and services we're actually um, providing to the mission and how coordinated or uncoordinated those services are. Um, so it's really helped us think about that too and um, Maria Sue and I are, are uh, working with um, some other folks and, and department heads around services that we just deliver to families in general. Um, not only our families in need but our, our middle class families, our families that you know just throughout San Francisco. And so this has been helpful for us too to think about how those um, services are delivered to our families. So um, again, a deep hearted thanks to all of our partners in this and I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the growth of the school district and the community as one. And, um, and we'll, look, we'll, we'll start, I guess the Gardner Center is going to start looking at some outcomes and some evaluation as we, as we roll this out because July 1st was our kind of our initiation into this and um, as Supervisor Kim said, you know, perhaps in a few months um, we can get an update from you and just let us know how things are progressing and, and perhaps then you'll also have a better sense of how the city and the school district can, can be more helpful. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I want to thank, thank all of you for your support. Oh, we still have oh, more. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Thank you, Commissioner. <laughs> Supervisor Avalos. We're not done talking. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for your presentation. I really appreciate uh, this uh, incredible um, you know, influx of resources that are coming here and coordination between uh, different organizations. And I think of the Mission District, uh, you know, there are hundreds of nonprofits in the Mission District and the coordination hasn't always been uh, what it should be. And this is a, a model that's really, uh, uh, I think, can be an effective way of uh, making sure that we actually have uh, real outcomes and success. Um, I compare this to my experience. I used to live in the Mission and my wife used to teach at Cesar Chavez Elementary School, spent a lot of time there, and so see all of the needs there. Very similar needs in the Excelsior District, um, and there are also issues of poverty that are there as well. We have a lot of kids, uh, you know, who are elementary school age and middle school age, all under 18, um, and you know, schools that aren't performing so well. Um, people living in substandard housing as well, um, and so when you have a population, you have a concentration of school district services that, that are there. You, what you don't have is a real concentration of organizations, community-based organizations, and even uh, departments, city departments that have offices there. A lot of them have been moved out, and the community-based organizations really haven't quite got a foothold there in the, in the neighborhood yet. So I look at what the experience is in the mission uh, can actually provide some opportunity for how we can grow you know, the, the capacity and build the capacity uh, in the Excelsior. Uh, and I'm always looking for, for models for that. So this seems to be providing you know, some good um, grist for, for how to move forward to other places in San Francisco. I look forward to uh, what you're able to achieve. Thank you. Commissioner Wins. Thank you. I, I too just want to thank everybody, our own staff and city and everybody from Meta and uh, community partners. Um, I, I did want to say that uh, as Commissioner Kim referred, Supervisor Kim referred to, <laughs> we, uh, we really are interested in this committee become, having the opportunity to become more effective and to actually focus on and enhance things that we can do together to uh, meet our shared outcomes and goals for outcomes. So um, in the past, it hasn't always been like that. It's been more of a let's talk at each other kind of committee often. 
And uh, so I, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for us to see what we can, as policymakers, bring back to the work that we do and see what we need to do to support and enhance these kinds of efforts. Uh, and I, I did also want to say they've had to leave, but our friends from Los Angeles were interested in coming here, although we've had a really long day today already, because there are two promised neighborhood grants in Los Angeles, and the school district was not consulted in the writing of either of those. And so we're really interested in the kind of partnership that we have and, the, and also the kind of uh, what we were talking about today was sort of the infrastructure that we have behind that, you know, how we talk to each other, how we work together, things like that. So I'm very proud and happy that we have that, but also um, interested in seeing how we leverage those resources in this effort. Uh, which is really important, and we have a lot to learn from it, not only important uh, important um, resources and improvements in life for people in the mission district in the in the promised neighborhood, but also thing lessons that we can learn to enhance all our neighborhoods i think and, and our school outcomes too so thanks very much for all of this Thank you, Commissioner. I forgot just one last thing, our planning department. Um, as our office is currently figuring out how we can strengthen our youth and family zone um, special use district in the south of market and how we can use planning tools to also create neighborhoods that are friendlier to our families and youth. And so I really do look forward to learning more um, from the Mission Palmas neighborhood and, and also seeing how we can share some of what we learned in the south of market as well. Well, okay, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, for um, all of your support throughout this um, uh, long and difficult process. Um, we really appreciate your willingness to partner at every level um, and also your excitement for the work. Uh, we are excited to do it. We are excited to create, um, uh, to try to achieve our vision um, and to work with all of our partners that are, many of whom are here. I want to thank all of them for being out here for their support. Um, and let's go party. <laughs> Okay, so um, before we close the hearing, we do have to take public comment. Um, is there any public comment on this item? Please feel free to come to the mic. Hey, Jay. Supervisor Avalos. I, I just wanted to make uh, one last comment, and it might not seem appropriate, but I'll, I'll say it anyways. Um, I actually, I, 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 to a fault, I sometimes speak in a, Excelsior-centric way, and I represent a district that actually has other neighborhoods as well. And I think it's also important that I can plug the other neighborhoods that are part of the Excelsior, the OMI neighborhood, and Crocker Amazon neighborhood. All have real high concentration of children, and school-aged children, and many, many schools that are there. And we lack a lot of services. And so we look at what's happening in the mission. Uh, and I'm trying. I'm working with a lot of. Uh, organizations, leaders to try and build new organizations. This provides a really good, you know, opportunity for learning and I look forward to that for not just the Excelsior but the OMI and the Crocker <laughs> Amazon neighborhoods. Thanks. We won't tell your constituents. <laughs> Any members of the public that'd like to speak at public comment? All right, seeing none, public comment is now closed.
Um, I do just want to recognize our clerk today, Ms. Esther Casco, and also um, SFGovTV, who does record each of our meetings and transcribes, uh, transcribes them. Um, so they're available for members of our public. Mike Freeman and Jesse Larson, thank you for taping today's meeting. Again, on behalf of the committee here today, we just want to congratulate Meta um, and Luis on your 40th anniversary and also recognize that um, we have one of your awardees in our chambers tonight, Hydra Mendoza. We look forward to the party. All right, seeing no other comments, meeting is adjourned. <laughs>